The Gospel according to St. John, chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. What does a productive life look like in this world? What does success look like in the eyes of the world that we live in? If you look back at your day, see that you got to check off a whole bunch of things. Do you feel really productive and successful? It's a good day. I got a lot done. Is that how you measure productivity and success? Or maybe if you look at a person's life as a whole, is it what they, the name they've made for themselves? Or the amount they have in their bank accounts? Or how big their house? How many their toys? How successful their kids? What is it? What is it that the world measures success by? What is a productive life look like? You know, as Christians, probably a better question for us to be asking is, what does God say a productive life looks like? How does God measure success per se as he looks at our lives? Because really, that's the question that matters more, doesn't it? Because in the end, who cares what the world thinks? Who cares what the world says productivity is? What does God think? What does God say? Dear Christians, what we're doing this morning is, is we're being reminded of who we are. What God has done for us. Who he has made us to be. His disciples. His followers. His believers. His children. And so it's good for us to consider what does a productive life, a successful life, per se, of a, of a child of God look like? And we're going to see it's much different than what the world says. Because what God expects of you is what you know that you can't do, isn't it? You know what God expects of you as a believer in him, but what kind of life is pleasing to him? It's a life that is lived to his expectations of 
loving him and loving each other, not just sometimes, not just with words, but in thought and in action, in everything, in every way to show absolute perfect love to one another. That's God's expectation. You want to know what God says a productive life is? Love each other. Serve each other. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Live a life of good works towards one another. And in that, you give glory to God. Keep the commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. Right? That's what God expects of us. And is that what he looks at when he sees our lives? When he takes a look at the things that we do and he hears the things we say and even looks at the very thoughts and attitudes of our hearts and minds, he doesn't see the fruit that he desires to see from those who are his, from those who bear his name, for those who are supposed to be representing him to the world. In our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus talks to us about bearing fruit. That's what we do. That's what Christians are. That's how we show the world who we are. That's how we give glory to God, Jesus says, is by bearing fruit. And you know what that fruit is? Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. This is what he says those are. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that the fruit that God sees in your life? Is that the fruit that even other people see in your life? Do they see love? Do they see sacrificial love for others? Or do they see selfishness? What does God see when he looks at your life? And what do, what do other people see as they look at your life? Do they see joy? Do they see you, no matter what's going on in your life, knowing that you are loved, you are forgiven, heaven is yours? Or do they see someone who has been beat down by this life in despair because of the circumstances of your life? What does God see? What fruit does he see when he looks at your life? Does he see patience? Do the people around you see patience in you? Or do they say impatience and frustration and a short temper and anger? He says one of those fruits he longs to see is kindness. Is that what the world sees in us? Do they see us being kind and caring for others and the needs of others? How about goodness? Do they see us living good lives that reflect the love and the goodness of God? Faithfulness? Do they see People around you see you being faithful to your word. Does God see faithfulness to you, to him, in, in you to him? How about gentleness and self-control? Are those fruits evident in your life today? I don't know about you. I'm not going to answer for you. I'll just answer for myself this morning. I, I look at this list of the fruit of the Spirit, and i got to say, man, if, if it's there, it's certainly rotten. If it's there at all. So many times in my life. How often do I not show myself to be Jesus' disciple? How often do I realize that, that I'm not giving glory to God in the way that I'm living my life? That that harvest of fruit that God longs to see on his, through his people is, is rather sparse. When I begin to look at my 
words that come out of my mouth and look at the things that I do and even the, the thoughts and the attitudes of my heart. So often instead of these, it's self-centeredness and impatience and anger and hostility and jealousy and pride. And we know what we deserve because of those. We know what God demands and what he expects and what the punishment is. It says that branches that do not bear the fruit that God looks for, they cut off. They're thrown into the fire. They're worthless to him. Jesus doesn't pull any punches here, does he? You know what you deserve if you're really honest with yourself and who you are by nature because of what God expects of you. You are forced to admit that you don't deserve anything from God at all. But to be thrown into the fires of hell. You know, this imagery of the vine and the branches and, and this, this uh, you know, us being connected to God and bearing fruit isn't just here in John 15. It's in a number of places, even back into the Old Testament. God, God compared his Old Testament people, his chosen people, to a vineyard. This is what he says in Isaiah chapter 5. It's a, a little longer, but I want to read it to you, and I want to help make this connection here. We are God's chosen people today. But is this what God sees in us as he looked at his Old Testament chosen people? He says, my loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and the people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it's going to be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah, and the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. What more can God do for us? What more can God give us? He has made us to be his vineyard. He has connected us to Jesus. And what do our lives look like? What do we expect God to do? When Jesus speaks these words in John 15, the context is really important. This is Monday, Thursday evening. This is possibly minutes or maybe you know, an hour or so before he will be arrested. Before he'll be led away and put on trial and sentenced to death. Even though he had done nothing wrong. He will die an awful, gruesome, painful death on a cross. Not for his bad fruit, but for ours. What more could God do? He points us to our Savior again. To look at that one who came to save his people. To look to that one who came to bear perfect good fruit in every way. To be filled with the fruit of the Spirit in thought and word and deed every day of his entire life for us. 
And then to go to that cross and to die for all the times that our lives have not been filled with this fruit that God demands of us. For all the times that we have produced bad fruit or rotten fruit or no fruit, this Savior Jesus died. He speaks these words to us just just moments or minutes before it's all going to start to unfold when he's going to go to that cross to take our punishment. For all the times that we have not been what we have called to be, that we have not showed ourselves to be his disciples, when we have not used our lives to, to give God glory and to show love to him and love to one another. This Savior took our place. He took our punishment so that now God can look at us through the work of Christ and say, you are mine. You are loved. You are forgiven. You do belong to me. And now, now with that knowledge of what our Savior has done for us, he says you get to remain in him. You get to grow in him. Now with the heart full of forgiveness and peace and joy, as we are set free, we look at our lives in a whole new way, that it's not about me anymore, that my life is about going and bearing fruit that God wants to see. And Jesus here encourages us how we can do that. He says here in verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, you have been connected to Jesus. Through your baptism, you were made a member of his family. God took you from being a slave to your sin to being his very child. Holy, righteous, perfect, blameless. He took you from being someone destined to hell for all of your bad fruit. And he has made you an heir of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, you are clothed with him in your baptism. You have his merits as you stand before your heavenly father, that gardener. And he looks at you and says, you are connected to Jesus. Through faith in him, you belong to your heavenly father. Here in the Lord's Supper, that you're going to get to receive in just a few moments. You again are reminded of who you are. A dearly loved, forgiven child of God. Here you are connected back to your Savior, Jesus. Here he comes and abides with us. Here he comes and says, you belong to me. You are connected to me. And every time that you open his word, every time that you come and you hear his word in worship or in a Bible study, you again are reconnected to Jesus. There you get to hear about what this Savior has done for you. You are strengthened by him and in him so that you can grow in him more and more and more so that you can go and bear fruit for him in your life. Your faith is, is that branch connected to Jesus Christ. Your faith is connected to that vine of Jesus and who comes to us in this word and sacrament so that we do not wither and we do not die. We are connected to this Savior, Jesus, where we get to grow in our faith and grow in our knowledge of all that he has done for us, where we can know these fruits of the Spirit and live them in our lives for his glory. The key, friends, is to remain in him. Eight times that word 
remain is used in these eight verses of John 15. Eight times Jesus says, remain in me, and he says, I will remain in you. And we remain in him through these means of grace. This is your life. This is the source of your strength. This is the source of God's love for you that you can know in your heart and fill your heart and fill your life. And I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. It's so easy to become disconnected from that vine, isn't it? Jesus says right here at the beginning of this lesson, he says, I am the true vine. Which means that there's false vines out there, isn't there? There's things that we try to connect ourselves to where we try to find our peace and we try to find our happiness and we try to find our contentment in, but they will always leave us lacking. Right? The things of this world or the people of this world or what the world calls success, when we try to connect to these minds, we're going to be left wanting and lacking without true purpose, without true peace. Jesus says, I am the true vine, as opposed to all of these false vines that, we, that are out there that, that want you connect, to connect to them and find your happiness and your hope and your contentment in. I know it's difficult. I, I know it's hard to stay connected, isn't it? I, I, I mean, you, you, you miss a week at church, and boy, it gets a little easier to miss the next one and the next one, and all of a sudden it's been six months. <laughs> it's easier to sit home on the couch and watch TV and come and be with God's people and receive the sacrament given for you, shed for you. It's easier to turn on the TV when you're tired than to open up your Bible. It's easier to say, well, I'll join a Bible class next week. And then it's another week and another week and another week. I'll stay for Bible study after church. Oh, next time. And then it's the next time and the next time and the next time. Friends, I know how easy it is to become so easily disconnected to the vine. But friends, this is our life. This is our source of strength, our source of peace. This is alone where we find exactly what our hearts long for and need most. This is where we find the ability to go and to live out God's love in our life, bearing fruit for him. And oh yes, we know that it's not without difficulty. Jesus talks here about how the Father prunes us to make us more abundant, to get a bigger harvest. And we know sometimes that pruning is hard and it's difficult and it's painful, but it's always with a purpose so that we might remain in him, so that we might cling to him alone, so that we might find our peace and our joy in him alone. Jesus promises here, when you're connected to him, he says, if you do, uh, in verse 6, if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Jesus says, when you are in me, ask for whatever you need, and he will give it. You need more forgiveness? It's yours. You need more peace? It's yours. You need joy in the midst of difficulty? It's yours. You need hope in the middle of despair? It's yours. In these means of grace, God pours these out abundantly upon you. And then you get to live these in your life. 
Right Here is our source of strength to go and forgive as we have been forgiven. Here is your source of strength as you're connected to that vine to live in peace with one another in that peace that you know you have with God. It's here that you can have confidence that no matter what happens in this life, you know that life beyond the grave is yours. That no matter what happens in this life, you are safe and you are loved. Connected to that vine of Jesus, this is the only way you can have this fruit in your life and bear this fruit out in your life. Friends, he's purchased you with his blood. You were bought with that blood of Christ. You belong to him. And now we have that promise that in these means of grace, he keeps us connected to him to strengthen us and to forgive us and give us peace. He alone is the one who says that I will keep you strong until the end. He alone is the one who can give you that eternal life that nothing else can. Friends, stay connected to that vine. Always. In every way. To this one who loves you so much and gave his life and rose for you. You want to know what a productive life is according to God? It's one filled with the fruit of the Spirit. It, it might not be what the world expects, making your name great, that everything in your life is perfect, that you've got a big bank account, but it's found in the little things, in a neighbor caring for another neighbor, in a husband loving his wife, in parents raising their children to know the Lord, in grandparents encouraging their children to raise their children in the Lord. Being a faithful employee at work, working hard and being honest. It's bearing fruit in our lives that God has first produced in us through his means of grace. Remain in him, and he will remain in you so that you can go and bear much fruit and live a productive life for God for his glory, and show this world who you are, his disciples. God grant it. Amen. Please stand.